Remember when the media were saying that the riots are actually peaceful protests? Well, we are way past that now. Here is just a very quick timeline. First, they said that the riots were peaceful. You remember they were standing there in front of all the burning buildings and they said, actually, no, no, ignore the burning buildings. Really, it's peaceful. Then they admitted that the protests weren't peaceful, but they said that all the violence was being committed by white supremacists. And we were looking at the videos and we thought, you know, man, those are some pretty confused white supremacists. They do not look like the typical Klansmen that we see in the movies. And I don't think there are that many Klansmen in America, so probably not white supremacists. Then when it was pointed out that the violent people, even the violent white people actually were Antifa, they were radical leftists, and there weren't really any white supremacists in sight. Uh, then the left-wingers sort of denied that the Antifa even existed. Then they kind of went a little silent for a while. Now though, now we have reached a moment of honesty where the left-wing media are admitting that the, the rioters are leftists. The rioters are not white supremacists. They're admitting that the protests have turned violent, that the pro protests and the riots are basically the same thing. And they're defending violent protests. Here is Chris Cuomo, brother of Governor Andrew Cuomo, head silly, silly man on CNN, uh, defending the violent protests. Now, too many see the protests as the problem. No, the problem is what forced your fellow citizens to take to the streets, persistent and poisonous inequities and injustice. And please show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. So he's not just saying that they, they, have to be, they don't have to be polite. He's also saying they don't have to be peaceful. Let me show you where it says that. The First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of the people to peaceably assemble. <laughs> That's where it says it, right there, right in the First Amendment, the only place in the Constitution that talks about these sorts of protests. The liberal establishment is now publicly supporting political violence. Not just CNN, this goes all the way through academia, this goes all the way into our legal system itself. Welcome to Mob Rule. I'm Michael Knowles, this is The Michael Knowles Show. This goes way higher than Chris Cuomo. Chris Cuomo is a clown, right? Chris Cuomo actually was said on tape just a few weeks ago that he hates what he does professionally, that it's sort of ridiculous. So it's beyond him. It goes all the way up to the attorney general of Minnesota, where this whole thing started, who himself is a radical leftist defending political violence. We'll get to that in one second. First, we have also got to thank our friends over at LifeLock, speaking of safety and security. <laughs> you know, I will admit, even I, have almost been, I actually have been duped one or two times by internet scammers. Happens to the best of us. A hacker group called Shiny Hunters claims to have breached 10 companies and is now selling their user databases on a dark web marketplace for illegal products. The companies range from an online dating app, yikes, that's not good, to a food delivery service, to online stores and newspapers. The listed databases hold 73.2 million user records, which are being sold now for around $18,000. Very important to take basic protective measures against identity theft. LifeLock is the leader in identity theft protection, detects a wide range of identity threats, 
at like your social security number, for example, going for sale on the dark web. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. LifeLock can see threats that you might miss on your own. Join now, save up to 25% off your first year. Go to lifelock.com slash Knowles. That's lifelock.com slash Knowles, Canada, W-L-E-S to save 25%. Because safety and security are rare things these days. Keith Ellison is the radical leftist in the Democratic Party who is now the attorney general of Minnesota. He was a congressman. He tried to run the DNC. Now he's the AG of Minnesota. You'll remember Minnesota is where this whole thing started with the killing of George Floyd. Keith Ellison announced yesterday that he's going to be upgrading the charges on the police officer who was involved in the killing. He's going to upgrade them from third degree murder to second degree murder. And there's a, a big problem and more threats underway because of this decision. First, today, <clears throat> I filed an amended complaint that charges, that charges former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin with murder in the second degree for the death of George Floyd. I believe the evidence available to us now supports the stronger charge of second degree murder. We've consulted with each other and we agree. Oh, does it now? The, the new, ev- what new evidence? Have we seen any new evidence at all? No. The new evidence is the riots going on around the country that are helping this guy get cover to increase the charge. What's the charge? Third degree murder, unintentional. Second degree murder, intentional. So if you want to believe that this was warranted, you have to believe that this cop was intentionally murdering George Floyd. Does anybody seriously believe that? No, of course not. One, because he, why would this cop want to bring down all this mayhem on his, himself? Obviously his life is ruined now. It, there are race riots all over the country. Everything is caught on video now. So he had to know this, this sort of thing would be happening. There's just no evidence of it. Also, if he had wanted to intentionally kill George Floyd, wouldn't he have, wouldn't he have done it more quickly than within eight minutes? No. What, when, when you watch that video, very sad video, you watch this man saying, I can't breathe, but you watch this man dying. You don't get the impression that, th- that this cop is actively murdering him. Like, haha, I'm going to kill you now. W- what, what would the cop have to be thinking to do that? It wouldn't make sense. Now, was the cop acting, I don't know, recklessly? Was the cop acting callously? Was the cop, maybe, yeah, I mean, that, that's for the court to decide. That's what people were looking at on camera. But now with a second degree charge, he's more likely to walk than if he had the third degree charge. Because much easier to prove the third degree charge, much more difficult to prove the second degree. Ellison goes on charging the other cops who just happened to be present at the arrest. Second, today arrest warrants were issued for former Minneapolis police officers uh, J.A. King, Thomas Lane, and Tu Tao. Finally, I'd like to announce that today, Hennepin County Attorney Michael Freeman and I uh, uh, filed a complaint that charges uh, police officer King Lane and Tao with aiding and abetting murder in the second degree of felony offense. I strongly believe that these developments are in the interest of justice for Mr. Floyd, his family, our community, and our state. In the interest of justice, you believe that these other cops who were present during the arrest actually secretly had been colluding with the officer Derek Chauvin to murder this guy, and they just decided to carry out their murder they were going to do it on camera in the most publicly 
way possible that would make them completely vulnerable. And that's why they would be charged long after this murder, but not long after the riots started to burn down all the cities. Obviously this has absolutely nothing to do with justice, but that's Keith Ellison's MO. Keith Ellison is probably the most prominent democratic politician in America to publicly endorse Antifa. Antifa is a terrorist organization. Antifa is a group of radical leftists, communists, and anarchists that uses political violence against civilians to achieve political ends. That is the definition of terrorism. Keith Ellison has smiled with, with holding up the Antifa handbook, the Antifa handbook written by an academic from Dartmouth College. Keith Ellison is not just posed with the book, he's posed with Antifa leaders. Keith Ellison is supporting not justice, but terrorism. These guys, Chris Cuomo, Keith Ellison, they think, I think a lot of leftists in this country think that supporting terrorism, I mean, they, they wouldn't use that word, but that's what the definition is. They think that by supporting political violence, that makes them edgy. They think that that makes them revolutionaries. They think that that makes them on the right side of history. The real effect of that, the real effect of the political violence they support is to get people killed. For instance, Italia Marie Kelly, who's 22 years old, a biracial girl, speaking of racial justice, who was shot and killed at a protest against police brutality by a protester, by the way, outside of Davenport, Iowa at Walmart on Monday. Here is Italia's sister describing the scene. I'm waiting for everyone to get on. So I know, I hope y'all know what the f*** you did. <laughs> My sister is gone and it's not from a cop. It wasn't from no f- cop. I don't get on live and I don't care about this Facebook sh- but my sister is gone because one of you, a protester, shot my sister. A protester, not even the police, because you guys, I lost my sister. I lost my sister because you, you, you're so mad at the police. You're hurting everyone else. You're so mad at the police. You guys killed my sister. So this is what Chris Cuomo and Keith Ellison are supporting. They wouldn't put it in those words. They would probably say, no, I don't support that. Well, then what do you support? You're saying that protests don't have to be peaceful. Chris Cuomo said that on national television to all seven people watching CNN. Keith Ellison smiling with the anti-fascist political violence handbook. So what are you saying? What they're really saying, I would imagine, is no, no, no. We don't want the civilians to be killed. We want the the unpeaceful protests, the violent protests to be directed at cops. So if they killed a cop, that's fine. But you kill an innocent civilian, that, that's not so fine. Well, this is what happens, by the way. Even if, you, even if you held that repulsive premise, this is what happens when you allow mob rule to take over your cities, is they don't just aim perfectly at the person that you've designated the enemy. Everything goes haywire. Lots of different people of lots of different persuasions and categories get killed. Buildings get burnt down. Law goes out the window and law has gone out the window all the way up through our legal system. The lawlessness, the unreason is not just in law enforcement, which by the way, we're seeing here, Eric Garcetti, mayor of LA just announced they want to cut uh, over a hundred million dollars from the LAPD budget, which is really what you, when they're burning down cities and smashing buildings and harming people, that's what you want. You want to smash the, the LAPD budget, but, but it's not just in law enforcement. We're seeing it in science too. So I actually, there is some slightly good news here. 
You remember hydroxychloroquine? Hydroxychloroquine was that cure for coronavirus or was a treatment for coronavirus that was showing very promising results. And then there was a study that came out that said it was really actually dangerous and bad. And that study came out after Trump had publicly supported hydroxychloroquine. Well, now that Trump has stopped publicly supporting hydroxychloroquine, hydroxychloroquine is good again. It's okay. Now that Trump's not talking about it, actually, it's healthy for you. The Lancet and another medical journal, the New England Journal of uh, science of medicine rather issued an expression of concern, each of them for studies that were co-authored by Dr. Sapan Desai, uh, and, and Desai is the one who raised the alarm about hydroxychloroquine. It's hard to look at all of this and not think it's just arbitrary, right? It's hard to look at the charges in Minnesota and say, you're, you're not basing this on any, there isn't any new evidence. You're just doing it because the mob says so. And you're moved by those emotions. Hydroxychloroquine you, when, when Trump was touting it, you said it was really bad. Then when Trump stopped touting it, you say it's really good again. Beyond hydroxychloroquine, look at what the public health officials have done. The Pennsylvania health secretary, Dr. Rachel Levine, I, I present this to you. First, I will, I will point out the obvious, which is that the health secretary of Pennsylvania is a man who thinks he's a woman and he goes by Rachel Levine. That is obviously an ironic circumstance. That's not actually the absurd aspect of the situation that I want to draw your attention to. I want to draw your attention to what he is saying that many other public health officials are saying too, which is they're answering our question. Why is it that if you walked outside, even for a little bit, even just to go down the street and get groceries, three weeks ago, you were endangering public health and the deadly virus. But today, if you gather in crowds of hundreds of thousands, you're not endangering public health as long as you're rioting and protesting and, and hanging out with leftists. Why, why, why is it that when you go to church, it's endangering public health, but when you're protesting and smashing windows and stealing Nikes, you're not endangering public health. The PA health secretary with a completely straight face gives the answer. Secretary, um, Dauphin County just moved to yellow on uh, May 29th which means no large gatherings. And apparently there's a march going on that has more than 200 people in it uh, today in Dauphin County. Can you clarify the administration's position on May 11th business owners were called um, cowards for wanting to reopen their businesses. And today the governor's actually marching mm-hmm. um, in that. Is that not in violation of your order and his order for large gatherings? Well, so we have, uh, and the governor has always said that people have the right to uh, to protest and to demonstrate and, and the right of free speech. And so overall, we want um, large gatherings such as, um, uh, such as um, maybe a, a party or, um, or some type of concert or something uh, to be under 250 people. Uh, but um, we, we are not restricting people's right to protest. There are also obviously uh, significant um, social issues, um, you know, that, that are present that people feel that they need to have a voice, and so the governor is always supportive of that and um, and is participating in that. So let me distill that down for you. If the people are doing something that the Democrats support, it's fine, and if the people are doing something that the Democrats don't support, it's not fine. That that was the kind of long rambling answer. I also love now that the, the, these Democratic leaders are so in favor of free expression. That's not what I was hearing from them a few weeks ago during the anti-lockdown protests. During the anti-lockdown protests, I heard this is going to kill grandma. This is going to kill lots of people. You've got to stay home. It's selfish. It's a wrong version of freedom. But now that the 
that, that the hundreds of thousands of people in all sorts of municipalities are protesting based on a lie, right? Based on the lie that there is this scourge, this epidemic of, of police officers killing innocent black men around the country. Not happening. We went through it on the show yesterday. It, it simply is not taking place. Even when you look last year at the number of unarmed black men killed by police officers, and by the way, unarmed does not mean not dangerous, but even the number of unarmed, what's the number? 9,000? No. 900? No. 90? No. The answer is nine. Nine. And, and many of them, many of them were, virtually all of them, were posing a threat to the police officer. Not saying that every death isn't a tragedy. Every death is a tragedy. But that is not evidence of systemic slaughter. So going out and rioting and killing people, now killing, killing more people in the riots than were killed as a matter of unarmed black men last year by police, doing that is perfectly acceptable because, because, I, because why? Because the Pel- Pennsylvania health secretary said so. Uh, he is not the only one. There is an open letter from over 1,200 public health expert scientists saying that, yeah, the other kinds of protests that were conservative are bad, but these riots and protests are essential for public health. Open letter advocating for an anti-racist public health response to demonstrations against systemic injustice occurring during the COVID-19 pandemic. At least the scientific experts acknowledge it here. They say, on April 30th, heavily armed, heavily armed, give me a break, and predominantly white protesters, well, that's terrible. They can't be, can't, white people can't protest, entered the state capitol building in Lansing, Michigan, protesting stay-at-home orders and calls for widespread public masking to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Infectious disease physicians and public health officials publicly condemned these actions and privately mourned the widening rift between leaders in science and a subset of the communities that they serve. That's the first part. Second part, as of May 30th, we are witnessing continuing demonstrations in response to ongoing pervasive and lethal institutional racism uh, set off by the killings of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, among many other black lives taken by police. Many other. We went through the numbers just a few seconds ago. not, Not many other when we're talking about this kind of specific injustice. A public health response to these demonstrations is also warranted, but this message must be wholly different from the response to white protesters resisting stay-at-home orders. <laughs> so they're actually saying, yeah, I know they look the same. Well, they don't look the same because the, the anti-lockdown protesters were completely peaceful and then went home and very respectful. And these rioters are killing people and torching cities. But, you know, okay, they're both protesting. But we need to treat the really peaceable, nice ones in the American tradition horribly. And we need to treat the rioters wonderfully. That's what we're being told. They say white supremacy is a lethal public health issue that predates and contributes to COVID-19. Is it now? I, like, I don't, nobody, nobody here is defending white supremacy. <laughs> I don't know. Any, it's, the, it's the whole thing. It's like, nobody, nobody thinks that black lives don't matter. Nobody is defending white supremacy. How many, how many white supremacists are there? Uh, not too many, I don't, I don't think. But does anybody think it's a public health issue? I don't, it can, and even if you thought it were a public health issue, do you think it contributes to COVID-19? You know, we don't know a whole lot about this virus. Some people say it's transmitted by air. Some people say it's transmitted on services. No one says it's transmitted by white supremacy. Okay. I haven't seen a scientific paper on that. They go on protests against systemic racism, which fosters the disproportionate burden of COVID-19 on black communities and also perpetuates police violence must be supported. So according to public health, public health science, can't debate science, you can't refute science. According to science, 
we need to keep rioting and torching cities. Signed by 1,288 public health professionals. What this, what this letter tells me is that I should never again listen to public health professionals because it's obvious that they're charlatans. It's obvious that they have no idea what they're talking about, about anything. And it's obvious that they are using their credential to weigh in on a subject that has absolutely nothing to do with their credential. doesn't really teach me that because frankly, I've known it for a long time, but it, I think it shows the rest of us that now. Public health officials are now saying it is good to riot and coronavirus won't spread if, if you do riot. But if you protest for your civil liberties, uh, that would be a very bad thing. And by the way, they go further. I kid you not. They go further in the New York Times. They say, if the police break up the riots, then coronavirus will spread. Not the hundreds of thousands of people pouring in next to one another. Then it's, they're, they're immune somehow. But when the cops break it up, because as the New York Times says, there are corrosive effects of tear gas that could intensify the coronavirus pandemic. Tear gas. So you can't, cops got to stay home. The scientists said so. And the scientists, they know. They know what they're talking about because they have PhDs. Now, by the way, that headline implies another lie that we've been told. We've been told that when President Trump walked from the Rose Garden, you know, through the White House, through Lafayette Park, and to that church the other day, St. John's Church, to hold up the Bible, the church that the peaceful protesters tried to burn down the night before, we were told that the police used tear gas to break up the protesters. Uh, that's not true. The U.S. Park Police confirmed they did not use tear gas. They did use smoke canisters. They did use pepper balls. But no actual tear gas was used in the Lafayette Square incident. So since the public health officials are so concerned about tear gas, then don't worry. It's not going to spread the pandemic. Even Nancy Pelosi admitted that. My daughter, Alexandra, filmmaker, journalist, was uh, there that night and she called me and she said, Mom, you wouldn't even believe it. These people were demonstrating peacefully. And all of a sudden, uh, th this barrage of security came through uh, using clubs to beat people and these explosive scat little bullets that explode uh, into a stuff that burns your eyes. Maybe they didn't have tear gas. I don't know, but they had the elements of it. Well, there you go. There's the admission. Okay, maybe they didn't have tear gas. I don't know. But they had stuff. You know, they had stuff. And so I'm going to call it tear gas. And then the public health officials are going to say that tear gas spreads coronavirus. So they're going to let the, uh, the rioters continue. I also love here that Nancy Pelosi is admitting that her daughter was at one of these riots. I guess it's part and parcel. You know, uh, Waltz, the governor of Minnesota, his daughter was giving these rioters tips on where the National Guard was going to be. Chiara de Blasio, Bill de Blasio's 25-year-old daughter, she was arrested in a group of people. The group of people was throwing objects at the police during one of these peaceful protests. My conclusion, the rioters are immune. Only, only churchgoers, people with jobs, civil libertarians, voters, remember you can't go out and vote. That's why we have to have national mail-in votes, students, diners, and shoppers. Th those are the people, those are the seven groups of people that can catch coronavirus. But uh, looters and rioters and anarchists and communists, they, they're, they're just immune. They're not going to catch it. So it's okay if they go out and protest. The science tells us that if you Basically, this is the rule of thumb. If you go out and build or buy anything, you're seriously at risk. You need to go back home. But if you go out to destroy or steal something, you're safe. 
That's the science. That's our public health experts. Real collateral damage here. Real collateral damage. They shut us down for two months. People couldn't go to funerals. A, a teacher of mine died during that time. I certainly would have gone to the funeral if I could have, if he had died during a normal time. I couldn't go to the funeral. And look, he was just a teacher of mine. Think about people who lost their mothers and their fathers who couldn't be with them at the very end, whose, whose close family members had to die alone and then who couldn't receive a proper funeral because the public health experts told us not to. All those people now are looking out and seeing hundreds of thousands of looters and rioters pouring out everywhere and the public health experts are cheering it on. If you thought that our faith in our institutions was fraying before this whole thing, oh boy, oh buddy, it's gone. It's gone. And yet people, I, I think, are starting to miss it. I think the very people who were tearing it down are starting to miss it now that it's gone. There was a scene, this is my favorite, this is my favorite video that was going around the internet yesterday. A group of young idiots, the protesters, very peaceful, were throwing objects at a car as it was driving by. Because most people just keep driving, right? Not this guy. Uh, this guy, he was not going to take a ding on his car lying down. So he's driving, they hit his car, he stops. Then he starts to back up. And then you hear the peaceful protesters say my, my three favorite words of this, of this whole incident. Call the police. Do you see me stops? He's backing up. Uh-oh. Oh, call the police. <laughs> no, call them. Please, multiple people. Please, no. You know, the, you know those brutal people who are slaughtering innocent men and women all over this country? Yeah, call them. Call them now because this guy is going to be upset that I threw some... Oh, and the guy runs out of his car. With some... I don't even know what this guy is holding. He chases the one idiot away. The guy goes running. And then he turns on the rest of the crowd. By the way, this, this is one man. One older man facing down like, I don't know, probably eight or nine people. And they all scatter and run the minute that anybody pushes back whatsoever. They're going to hurl objects. They're going to break windows. They're going to steal stuff. They're going to burn down cities until they get any pushback whatsoever. But we haven't gotten any pushback yet other than this wild looking guy. And so the chaos rages on. And the response from our elected leaders is to defund the cops. And our response from our media establishment is to encourage the protests. If these people in that video had one ounce of self-awareness, they would hang it all up the moment that they said, call the police. And they would say, they'd throw the object, the guy would turn around. They'd say, oh no, call the police. Oh, okay. oh right. Okay. Now I understand. Never mind. I'm go-, go home, everybody. Go home. Civil order is a good thing, but they're so full of anger. They're so full of fury that they can't even realize that. The anger and hatred from these riots is not even confined to people who are currently alive. The, the anger and hatred from these riots is now being directed at people who died a hundred years ago, more than a hundred years ago, Ralph Northam, you remember Ralph Northam, Ralph Northam in Virginia, governor of Virginia, just announced the removal of the very famous statue in Richmond of General Robert E. Lee. Now it is not clear as of yet whether Governor Northam will attend the removal ceremony wearing blackface or whether he'll just be wearing his usual hood. It's, uh, we actually never found out from that photo. Was he the one in the blackface? 
or was he the one in the hood? Everyone got upset that he was wearing blackface. Seems to me the hood is actually a little bit more offensive. So we don't know which one he's going to wear, but we do know that he's a very good person. You see, he's very anti-racist. He's very just because he's going to take down a historical statue and try to erase American history and talk about how much better he is than, uh, than a dead guy. So it's okay. Not, no big deal. Keith Boykin, CNN. He's some guys. I don't know. These guys, who knows? I've, I've never heard of this guy in my life, but I don't watch CNN. But he is a CNN correspondent. He tweeted out, quote, Robert E. Lee was a racist traitor who fought against the union. He should never be celebrated on public property anywhere in America. That's one take. I think that's the take that just about everybody has today. That's not Abraham Lincoln's take. That's not the take in the best traditions of the United States. That's not the take that is going to allow us to continue as a nation. Abraham Lincoln said famously in the second inaugural, with malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. Those are some of the most famous words ever uttered by an American statesman. And the left in America today has completely reversed it. They are promising us malice toward all and charity for none. They're doing that in the academy, in the humanities. They're doing that in the sciences. They're doing that in the activist level, peaceful protests, also known as riots. They're doing that at the attorney general's office in Minnesota, the legal channel. They're doing that through the media. They're doing it every single place that they have any influence. The reason Abraham Lincoln uttered those words is because he knew that if we did not follow that course of action, the nation would be ripped apart forever. It would never come back together. That would be the end of it. There's no, you can't hate your fellow citizens and have a country or you can't have a country for very long. You can't have malice for all of your fellow citizens and charity for none of them and have a country for very long. That's the choice that we have. Is, uh, is anybody going to, uh, to take the Lincoln approach? I don't know. Are we still a mature enough country to take that Lincoln approach? Um, the jury's still out. Let's see how long the riots burn. We got to get to the mailbag. First though, I've got to thank you. I've got to thank you because I am so close. I am so, I'm this close to overtaking Drew on the YouTube subscriptions here. So thank you for subscribing to the Michael Knowles Show YouTube channel. You're probably watching this on the Daily Wire YouTube channel. That's great. But head on over to the Michael Knowles Show YouTube channel, and then I will overtake Drew, who got like a weak head start on me and never told me that he was trying to build up that channel. So then I looked like, you know, nobody was watching my show. Uh, you can get special breakouts over there, interviews, bonus segments, a lot of fun. So please head on over. Appreciate it. Also, dailywire.com slash subscribe. You get one tumbler, right? You, you want, that's good. One tumbler is good. Two tumblers, much better. That is what you get if you right now subscribe to our most exclusive membership tier, All Access. All Access gives you our premier level of membership. You get uh, Q&As, exclusive editorial articles from Ben. You get bonus hours of his show. You get an ad-free website experience. It couldn't possibly get any better. Dailywire.com slash subscribe. Join All Access right now. Get 15% off with coupon code Knowles. Dailywire.com slash subscribe. Be right back.
All right. First question from Chris. Hello, Michael. I'm seeing a lot of my friends get caught up in the slacktivism and virtue signaling as a result of George Floyd, of the George Floyd tragedy. These friends generally don't get caught up in these hysterias this much. They're participating in Blackout Tuesday on Instagram and posting a lot of BLM hashtags and whatnot. Is it worth telling them that they are just falling for the racism narrative that the left wants them to believe? Or is it just a waste of time? Thanks. Love the show. It's not even just the racism narrative. If it were, it'd be easy to tell them that they're crazy. It's a religious narrative. This is a religious worldview. It has liturgies. We've seen all these kind of weird secular religious rituals over the past few days of people like white people kneeling down, bowing before black people who are standing up or the white people reciting this mantra of, I will not be racist. I will not be racist. You saw all those videos we showed yesterday. So as you might know, if you've ever known anyone who's been involved in a cult or like a really kooky religion, it's very tough to shake them out of it. You know, you got to proceed a little bit with caution. And that's how I would proceed here. I wouldn't shame people for what they're doing. Many, many, many of my friends posted that stupid black square on Instagram because they just, they just thought, okay, whatever, it's a thing. Maybe they felt pressured to do it. Maybe they just thought it didn't mean that much. That's fine. I don't care. It's no big deal. But maybe you can show through your lead that actually the premises here are not true. The effect of this message is very bad and it's leading to cities burning down and people dying. And it's just a false vision of the world. That's how I would do it. I I wouldn't go out and just say you're completely wrong because uh, especially on a matter that is actually religious like this is, they're not going to respond well. From Mali, All week, I've been subjected to posts and personal messages about educating my children about racism and their white privilege. Not because of any action I've taken. It seems completely inspired by the assumed inevitable racist beliefs me or my children will fall into since I'm white, as are my children. My question is, how is that different than me sending out messages to liberal or African-American friends saying, may I suggest a few books that help teach your kid how not to break a store window and steal Gucci bags? Thanks. That is, that is a very good comparison because both of those things are equally offensive, right? If, if you sent to your, to your leftist friends and your black friends by virtue of their ideology and their skin color, a a note that said, Hey, here's a way to educate yourself on on how not to steal Nikes. That would be very offensive. They would be rightly offended by that. Likewise, if they're, if they're sending you books and saying, Hey, look, I know we're friends and everything, but because of your skin color, you're evil. So here's a book on how not to be evil like me, because I'm a good person and you're an evil person. So here's, here's how not to be evil. Say, okay, thanks. That's great. Just throw in the trash. This is, I mean, it ties in a little bit with the religious answer. White privilege is a stand-in for original sin. It's a stand-in for our natural religious understanding that we're broken, that we're fallen, something's not right, there's injustice in the world. The, The trouble with white privilege, though, is it allows people, it allows some people to feel the goodness of, like, whipping yourself and feel the goodness of atoning for your sins. And it allows other people just to hate you, right? Just to be like, yeah, you're the problem, not me. I have no problems. So it actually is kind of exacerbates the, the worst parts of both of this because it, it makes some people aware of their imperfection, but with nothing to do about it. And it makes, it actually ma- leaves other people ignorant of their own imperfections and breeds hatred and division in the country. Uh, it's just a, a dumb idea. It's a terrible idea. And we, sh- we shouldn't give any quarter to it. You know, the, the, there is a a squishy response to this whole BLM, peaceful rioters kind of thing, which is 
you, you saw it from Jim Mattis, actually, the former defense secretary. You saw it from George W. Bush a little bit, which is to say, hey, look, these guys, they have a point. BLM has a point. Uh, the rioters, they have a point. You know, it's real. They're expressing pain. And the way they express pain is by stealing Nikes and Gucci bags. No, they don't have a point. They don't. It's a lie. It is based on a lie. We went through the numbers yesterday, went through them a little bit again today. It is not true. They have no point whatsoever. The things that they're doing based on their lie are terrible. They're indefensible. They're sins. They are crimes. The people who are committing those crimes should be arrested and thrown in prison for a very long time. Some people insist that we have to pretend like they have a point in the spirit of national unity. Wrong. Sorry, Buster. Actually, if you pretend they have a point, you are, you are achieving precisely the opposite of national unity. You are encouraging discord. You're encouraging strife. You're encouraging violence for nothing, for a lie, for a, a, a rank lie. Don't do it. Much, much better to take a clean and truthful approach from Sarah. My name is Sarah. I know that Sarah because I saw your name is Sarah. And I live in Madison, Wisconsin. We have had riots the last few nights, like much of the country has. There was a press conference today that some of the protest organizers held where they had a list of demands that needed to be met in order to stop the violence. These demands included defunding the police department, freeing all the inmates in the county jail, and abolishing police powers. Oh, is that all? My question is, how are we supposed to respond to people like this as citizens, and what should our government do in response? You should ignore those people. You should ignore those very unserious ideas. Those are unserious ideas, presumably put forward by unserious people. Nobody should take them seriously. And for the people who are committing the crimes associated with this thing, we should put them in jail for a long time. You know, there's been a big debate over prison reform. I'm actually supportive of prison reform. I think we need to toughen up our sentences and put more people in prison. And here's my evidence for it. The country is burning to the ground. So that would seem to me indisputable evidence that we don't have enough people in prison. Because, you know, if we, if we had those criminals in prison, then the, the country wouldn't be burning to the ground. Innocent people wouldn't be dying at these peaceful protests. Peaceful protests. So you shouldn't take it seriously. Unfortunately, mayors will. Uh, Garcetti is doing it in LA. He's defunding the police. Defunding the police is going to make the situation a lot worse. Actually, just not defending the police, which so many left-wing politicians are doing, is making the situation worse. You're looking at these riots, and in a lot of places, the cops are just standing down. Why are they standing down? Because they know if they use any force at all, which is the definition of their job, is to use force, right, to maintain the order. But if they use force to maintain order, they're going to be maligned as awful, terrible bigots, and they're going to go to jail, probably. So why would they do it? If they're not going to get any backup from the elected officials, from the civil authority, why on earth would they do it? And so the fires rage, whether they have the money or not. It's, it's a terrible proposal and an unserious one, but in a way, in many places, it's probably inevitable from Nick. Can we make Trump the Pope after his fourth term as president? I'm just thinking out loud here. Just saying it would be awesome. Yes. Donaldus Maximus. Donaldus the first. I like the sound of that. And President Trump's wife, I believe, is Catholic, which is, that would be a mark in his favor. The mark against him would be that he has a wife. That does complicate things if you're a pope. Though, you know, some popes in the past, they've, uh, they've had wives a little, a little less publicly, you know, than, uh, than President Trump. So, I, you know, look, I'm, I'm eager to see how the conclave deals with it because I think he'd be a great candidate. From Elizabeth, 
Dear Michael, I, like the rest of the country, watched with sorrow, anger, amazement, and awe the destruction caused around the country this weekend. Many disavow this behavior, but one way I've seen people defending this online is through memes and posts depicting Jesus overturning the tables in the temple. I believe this is a misrepresentation of the gospel, and I would wager that many invoking this scene are not devout followers, (laughs) yeah, you think, but are looking for a way to discredit Christians online who may say that these actions are unacceptable. I'm a devout Catholic. I've always seen this particular story as an example of Jesus' personhood. I can't accept that this interpretation is correct and it's being used to justify this current behavior. Would love to hear your thoughts. This stupid meme, I've seen this meme too. It's so dumb. It's this meme. It's a picture of Jesus overturning the temples and casting out the money changers. And, and it says, conservatives hate political violence. Jesus says, right? And then it's this image. They're missing a few parts of the story. First one, uh, you are not Jesus. <laughs> it should be the most obvious, but apparently it's not. The second one, the money changers belong to Jesus because Jesus is their creator because Jesus is God. And then the third one, Jesus is not going into somebody else's house to, to these money changers house and throwing them out, right? And stealing their property and going, he is throwing them out of his own father's house. Actually in the, in the verse it says, right? They are in my father's house. So, uh, nothing about the meme is correct whatsoever. But this is, this is, you know, the typical online leftist atheist kind of thing. They'll say like, uh, hey, you Christian idiot. Um, if God is real, then why do bad things happen to good people? Mic drop. Checkmate. Christian showed you. There goes your religion. Like, uh, mm, you know, there's some books about this. <laughs> there's, some people have thought about this before. And this, is, this falls squarely in that category. From David. Two Knowles, knower of much, smoker of quality cigars. I'm a Catholic, and as the Pope is supposed to be the person I follow in my religious life, I do find myself at odds with his political views. <laughs> yeah. His criticism of Trump standing in front of St. John's with the Bible being the most recent time he has spoken up against our president. Any thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's funny that you bring this up because, you know, I'm obedient to my bishops and, of course, to the Bishop of Rome, who is the Pope, because I'm a Catholic too. I don't even know what he said about Trump and the Bible. I, don't, I didn't even read it. Like, I heard there was a thing that he said, but, okay, Popes say a lot of things. There is a big misunderstanding here. Many people, especially non-Catholics, but even many Catholics believe that, that papal infallibility is, is this idea that the Pope is always correct whatever he says and we have to believe every single thing the Pope says. Not true. That is certainly not the case. When the Pope is talking about political matters or economic matters, he might be wrong 99% of the time. He might, frankly, he could be wrong 100% of the time even. Uh, as long as he is not speaking from the chair, from his official office, he can be perfectly fallible. Uh, you know, the, the idea of, of sometimes we've had popes who have just gotten political questions wrong. Uh, that might be a, a, a way for the good Lord to tell us that the Pope is fallible, except when he is infallible, which by the way, the Pope has spoken, infallib- spoken infallibly, I think twice in all of history. The rest of the time can be fallible, you know, move on. Somebody says something you don't like, just move on. From Shannon, dear host with the most ease. Am I the host? I am the host with the most ease at the Daily Wire. Wow, learn something new every day. Now, Jeremy Boring, 
Michael, no, it's Jeremy Boring, sorry. Is perpetuating the white savior industrial complex the answer? (laughs) That's a good way to put it. If not, what color should I post on Instagram to show my support? Saw this with Lincoln. It's a quirk of liberalism and paganism is actually the real answer here. This idea of the white savior being a bad thing. So Lincoln frees the slaves, right? When the movie Lincoln came out, the Lincoln movie showed the story. It was a beautiful movie. Daniel Day-Lewis played Lincoln. There was a pushback on the left because they said, hold on, you're suggesting Lincoln freed the slaves, but uh-uh, we're not relying on some white guy to free the slaves. The slaves freed themselves, but that isn't true. Lincoln freed the slaves. The Union Army freed the slaves. 700,000 Americans died to free the slaves. But this doesn't jibe with liberalism. This doesn't jibe with some forms of paganism because we want to do everything ourselves. Liberalism is like, I'm just all about, liberalism on the left and the right. It's me. I have to do it. I have to have agency. Everything in life is about my will and the things that I achieve. Same thing with paganism. When you read the ancient pagan epics, it's all about my heroic actions, my own heroic nobility. This is different than Christianity. Christianity accepts grace right? We say like, I actually don't need to earn my own salvation. I can't earn my own salvation. My salvation is given to me as a gift by someone else. And that's a wonderful thing. And I'm happy about that. That, that civilization of grace is what defined our own, the West, uh, until about five minutes ago, until now we're in this kind of post-Christian political moment or secular political moment. But that's a much better situation. And, and when it comes to these historical questions, and most notably on slavery, then it's, it's obviously the correct one as well. All right, that's our show. We got more to get to, but you know, I got to wait until Monday. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. See you then. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Widowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. Production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. Mm -hmm. 